Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. My guest today is Eduardo Jorgensen. Uh, he has a Bachelor in Medicine, and he's the CEO of Medicsen, M-E-D-I-C-S-E-N dot com, and they're working on predictive models for diabetes in short. So, uh, Eduardo, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Tell me about the, uh, the premise of Medicsen. What uh, led you to create the company? Yeah, so um, a couple of years ago, I was in the hospital in the consult when a little girl with diabetes rejected the treatment, and I was shocked because uh, nowadays we are supposed to know diabetes and how to treat it, but the real thing is that patients still have a really poor quality of life. So <laughs> we decided to found the company and develop our tech based on that. So what's your goal with the company? Is to just treat people with diabetes or prevent it from getting worse or... Try to get them to, uh, you know, manage their disease. I mean, what, what's the goal? So the end point of the whole uh, medics and mission and vision is that uh, we want to improve quality of life for diabetic patients, so that uh, from there they can improve the control over the disease. Uh, we think that the only way that uh, they will decrease complications and they could have a normal life is uh, by helping them with technology. So that's that's our goal. So what are some examples of the technologies that would be useful and, you know, what some of the methods, how would you guys do that? So um, the technology that we have developed in medicine is a non-invasive artificial of pancreas, and it is based in two different parts, the software and the hardware. The software uh, receives information from third-party wearable devices that patients are currently using, like continuous glucose monitors, smartwatches, headbands, and with that information, it predicts future glucose levels for the patient, and organizes information through a chatbot interface in which they can ask questions like, what happens if I drink a Coke in 30 minutes? Or what if I go for a one-hour hike? Then we present the predicted glucose levels along with the optimal advice so they can stay safe at all times. Like, if you're going to go for a hike, make sure you eat some nuts before to avoid hyperglycemic events. And that sort of um, explanation, hypoglycemic events, sorry. And... Uh, so we, that, that's the technology that we have ready. The patients are using it. We're working with hospitals. And we also engage with the hospitals through a caregiver dashboard in which they can check all the patient data and interact with them if they consider it necessary. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the last piece of technology that we do in the company is that we close the loop of diabetes treatment with a wearable smart patch that delivers the insulin through the skin with absolutely no needles and automatically guided by the algorithm. Uh, this is a technology that we have validated in preclinical trials, and we're uh, seeking the funding to start the clinical trials. So the, um, first, the, uh, the chat system, is it passive where it only responds if the person asks a question? Or what if, um, you know, the glucose sensor senses a really high glucose, will it alert the person, hey, watch out, your level's really high, uh, you need to do some corrective action? Yeah, that's the main point that... One of the things that uh, decreases quality of life for diabetic patients is to have to be worried all the time. So with our technology, we track all the information from his daily life, like glucose level, insulin, 
food uh, and activity. In fact, the food is the only thing that they have to input manually or by voice commands with the chatbot. And and then with all that information, it does a, continu a continuous analysis on how the patient is doing. And if there's any alert, it will notify both the patient and the caregiver. Does it will alert you if, if you have a high level, let's say, or a very low level of glucose? If it, not only if you have a very low uh, glucose level, but if that very low glucose level is predicted in the next hour and a half. Hmm. Yeah, the prediction is interesting. So I guess people have you know the same kind of eating habit. So I guess you would see that you know this woman every night between six and eight her glucose spikes probably because of what she's eating for dinner. So you can warn her before that time and say, hey, you know. Uh, watch out what you're eating for dinner because you you tend to get a glucose spike every night at this time, right? Is that would that be an example of the the power of it? Yeah, that's a perfect example. Um, we we see that the power of glucose technology is by helping decrease that uncertainty and plan in advance because we link it with uh, recipes and physical activities that we personalize on a on a lifestyle plan for each user. So when it comes that six to eight p.m. Uh, window, we will uh, recommend her something to have dinner that's uh, uh, perfect for her glucose today. Interesting. Okay. So you said it's already being used in hospitals. How many people are on the system and, you know, reporting or interacting with the chatbot and stuff? Yeah, sorry. So um, we, we have, we're working with one hospital in, in, a, in a client uh, provider basis, and then we have uh, another two hospitals that we're piloting. And uh, apart from hospitals, we have around 1,500 uh, beta testers that help us with data and feedback from the app. So uh, we're still building the final patient support program, but the beta versions are over there, and, and, and all the algorithms are ready and working. So it's just a matter of uh, finishing with all the functionalities that they want, how they want it, and, and, and training a little bit the chatbot. That uh, it takes time. Well, what do you so it, it, in use the beta program? People are actually using it in their daily lives, and it's it's predicting, or is it none of that step yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is doing it, but uh, the thing is that we haven't focused on the user on the end user yet. We are focusing on securing clients uh, from B two B perspective from the uh, hospital. So that that's why our main efforts are not being uh, translated into more users, but more hospitals uh, piloting the, the device. Well, you must be getting some kind of feedback, though, from people. So what, you know, what are they saying or experiencing so far in the program? Yeah, 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 yeah that, that, that's the reason why I was explaining to you that the chatbot is a little bit dumb yet, uh, still, and that we're further training it. Uh, we, we tested it with all those users We've been testing it uh, over uh, since October uh, 2017 in a real environment, and the feedback that we're receiving is that uh, the algorithms work good, but they need uh, to. We need to make the app more functional, meaning that uh, it takes a little bit of time to use it, uh, and patients typically don't want to waste time with apps, uh, even though they can tell them what to do. So they, they prefer if, if the system is uh, capable to uh, take care of everything on the background and, and needing little information. So we're doing we're increasing the connections with different sensors. We're increasing uh, the um, information that we get from the patient, and, and we're building all that uh, on uh, around the chatbot to make it easier for them 
uh, to access the information. Well, what kind of uh, positive feedback are you getting? What do people like about it? I'm sure they have some positive well, comments. Yeah, 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 of course. I, um, one tends to think about the things to improve and, and less about the positive things, but uh, we have great results uh, on the pilots that we've been doing. The algorithm has less than 5% error, so when you take diabetes, people can be from 30 to 300 in a normal day uh, on, a, on a glucose level, uh, and, and that um, um, is what makes their uncertainty uh, very present, that you can change all of a sudden and they wouldn't know. Or if they eat, they wouldn't know how it would change because they can have uh, had more stress that day. So we, we take account of all that of those variables, and and that's why our algorithm can predict with less than eight units as mean error, which wow. is pretty good for the patient and doesn't modify any of the decisions on the daily life. So, so what kind of things that's are you learning that's surprising you? What um, yeah, you're getting great data, you're getting great predictive ability. What kind of things are you learning that you didn't expect? So I, 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 being a doctor, I expected the diabetic patient uh, to be much more, uh, to have a much more strict routine. But what we're finding is that they behave differently on different days, and that's a challenge that we have to adapt to because we have to train our algorithms to understand when uh, it's not a typical day because they're not going to tell us. So, so that's that's one curious thing. And the other one is that uh, people are not really looking for data uh, for a number. People, what they really want is, is an answer to a question all the time, uh, which is typically, what can I eat? Uh, is it good for me to go on a hike now? Um, what can I do to be healthier? So those kind of questions, if, if you if you were able to organize them on a, on a plan for them, uh, you, you increase uh, engagement and adherence to the treatment. So I, I believe that uh, digital solutions for patients uh, must both through those kind of uh, technologies in the end. Okay. Very good. Um, so you said that was the first product, was the chatbot, the interaction. And the second one, um, yep. can, can you describe that again? It sounded, uh, I mean, it sounded crazy, but uh, what's the second and third product you have? Yeah, so the, the second product that we're going to get out next year uh, while we keep improving the software is the hardware uh, to deliver uh, the drugs through the skin. Uh, the drug delivery device, and, and that we have conceptualized it as a needle-free syringe in the shape of a patch. We call it the insulin smart patch. And it's basically what I just said, it's, an, it's a syringe, so, but, but, but it doesn't have any kind of needle. So you can imagine it's like a nicotine patch, but a little bit bigger because it has, it has some electronics inside. And with that device, we're able to open a little tiny pore in the upper layer of the skin and then deliver the drug through it without any kind of harm for the user because afterwards we close the port. And, and that's a technology that we've been developing for the last three years. Uh, we have validated it in the laboratory tests uh, so far, and, and we're ready to start the clinical trials and just waiting for the funds. Well, how does that occur where you get insulin, uh, I guess, for lack of a better word, injection? Does it have to be in a, a medical setting, or can it be done at home or on the go? Oh, the, the main goal is that it could be done on the go. So it's a uh, it's a small. The patch is, is really small. It's like four centimeters times two centimeters. And and um, the main objective is that it can uh, re replace the insulin pumps uh, because that they, they those don't allow uh, a normal quality of life for the users in the end. 
So uh, our, our main goal developing all this system has been that it's easy to use, it's comfortable, it's reliable, and it can do everything you need to do by yourself, but just in the comfort of wearing a nicotine patch, something like that. And sure. and, and, and and yeah, so so we, we've been developing it with users, and we're pretty sure about the the functionalities in the end. It is drug delivery. We're starting with insulin, and we will move to other kind of drugs in the future because it's it's just a method what we what we invented here. Well, it's great. I mean, if you're able to get insulin into someone without injecting it, what about um, checking their blood glucose without you know them doing a finger stick? That's a pretty good question. Um, so right now we we rely on continuous glucose monitors that work with a tiny little needle uh, subcutaneously uh, under the skin, and uh, those continuous glucose monitors are the trendsetter right now. They they they're just uh, being what's used. But uh, in the following years, uh, more sensors will come out that don't have any kind of needle, so they are not invasive. And pretty early in our in our development, we chose to stay out of our that fight. Because uh, it's not our um, our core value in the company. We, we we believe that it's better if we can connect to whatever kind of sensor is better for each patient. And in that basis, I think we make a we made a good move when we decided that. Because uh, just for example, Apple uh, announced a couple months ago that they will be working on including a continuous glucose monitor in their next uh, Apple Watch version. So once that comes out, uh, continuous glucose monitoring will be widespread and people will be able to do it uh, uh, pretty easily. But the, the probably those techniques will not be based on our technology. They will be based on light, which is something that can track glucose uh, and, and it's a trend right now. Okay. Um, so where are you at with the, uh, with the device that uh, would be able to get insulin into you without... Um Again, breaking your skin. How far out is that from uh, being used? And in what form? Yeah, so um, the current prototype that we have is a little bit big, bigger than we would expect to put on the market. Uh, we've been testing it uh, for the last year in skin in preclinical trials, so no humans. Uh, we've we've had all of the results have been successful, so we have prepared all the documents that we need to present to the agencies in order to regulate the device. And if we meet our expectations regarding funding, we'll be able to get it on the market towards the end of 2019, early 2020, more or less. And it will come, uh, in that moment, it will come as a, this is a manual needle-free syringe uh, that the user will have to uh, turn on and off and decide the amount. And in the following years, after more tests and trials, we'll get it out as a, as a non-invasive artificial pancreas once we have connected it to the algorithm. And then the next step is you want to make, you said, an artificial pancreas? Yeah, so so the end goal of all our project is to develop a non-invasive artificial pancreas, and, and that will happen uh, once we connect the delivery device with uh, the algorithm capable of reading from different continuous glucose monitors in a closed-loop way. So that that's going to take a couple of years of trials, demonstrating that it works uh, jointly, uh, and that's the reason why we're putting it out there uh, as a manual device first, and then taking it out as a as a um, as a automatic device once we're ready for it. Well, when you make the artificial pancreas, is it going to be implantable, or you know, what is it? What will it look like more collaboratively? 
No, 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 it's, it's non-invasive. It's the same device that I just described, the patch, but, but the only difference is that that patch has an internal algorithm guiding the decision. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, so the, the, the current RTPs of pancreases work based on insulin pumps, uh, like Medtronic one. Medtronic has an insulin pump, a continuous glucose monitor, and a very simple algorithm that manages decisions. And what we're trying to do is replace the insulin pump with our smart patch, replace the very simple algorithm with our complex algorithm, and then um, uh, take advantage of the uh, glucose reading devices. Uh, each use, uh, whichever device that each user wants to use, we'll try to connect to it and and and, and try to adapt to their uh, choice regarding um, blood glucose reading. Why would you need to make an artificial pancreas that outside the body, um, why not just, you know, monitor the blood glucose levels and administer insulin? Why do you have to make a pancreas? What would that do? So, so, the artificial pancreas is a concept and it is what you described right now, uh, connecting uh, glucose sensing with insulin delivery. It doesn't matter uh, how you do it, if it's with a 3D printed bio device or with an electronic patch uh, connected to an algorithm. The concept is just delivering insulin based on the glucose readings from the user. Okay, okay. So it's not, uh, I guess, it makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. So it's not something that we're going to, so we're not going to do anything different than the two first parts of the technology that I told you. The only thing that's going to make it be called uh, artificial pancreas is that it's going to be connected. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's super ambitious. I know it affects, uh, diabetes affects close to a billion people worldwide. So, I mean, it's very important what you're doing. So, uh, I think yeah. it's wonderful. What, what do you think is going to be happening in the next six months or a year? What's likely for you to, uh, to add on? So, um, from a business perspective, we're going to be securing some more clients with the digital patient support program. And uh, from a technological point of view, we are pretty sure going to be in improving the software and trying to get more data from more patients to uh, keep in, in increasing the accuracy of the algorithms as long as it's possible. And from then on, with the past, uh, once we secure the funding, we'll start the clinical trials in humans. Uh, and, and, and we have uh, yeah, we have everything ready towards us. Uh, the only thing that we'll need afterwards is to miniaturize the device a little bit and, and for that we're also looking for um, um, providers of, of uh, hardware uh, manufacturing. Okay, very good. Well, what's the best way for people to get in contact? How should they uh, email you or call or you know, get in touch uh, if they want to collaborate or ask more? Yeah, so uh, we have um, a contact uh, form on our webpage, that's uh, medicsen.com, M-E-D-I-C-S-E-N.com, and uh, they can also write me at Eduardo, which is E-D-U-A-R-D-O, at medicsen.com, and, and we'll always answer their queries, so happy to, to collaborate with anyone that's listening. Very good. Well, Eduardo, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Richard, for having me. It was a pleasure, and happy to come back whenever you want. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, 
virtual reality, and more. 